Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1318 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's podcast is myself and Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops talking about the small forwards on the Hawks roster. This is the third installment of a positional preview kind of series with, with myself and Zach from Peachtree Hoops. And uh, lots of fun to be had on a little bit of a longer show heading into the weekend. We've been very busy on the podcast in recent days talking about trade reactions in emergency fashion and the open practice last night. Some scenes from training camp as well. And the Hawks are going overseas as of Friday. So uh, very much ramping up to the season. The Hawks play a game in less than a week. They open on Thursday in Abu Dhabi in an afternoon time slot. So that's a lot of exciting stuff as well. And we're going to be here for you every every single day, basically. It, the theme of this podcast network is your team every day. And we're going to be here throughout the season covering the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, we definitely invite you to subscribe to the podcast across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube on the video side, etc., as well as following us on Twitter at Lots on Hawks and following me on Twitter at BT Roland. With all that said, not a ton of news to touch on on today's podcast. So we're going to dive right into things with Zach momentarily. First, you're going to hear the intro. And when we come back, it's myself and Zach Hood talking about small forwards. You are Locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Before I bring in my guest on today's podcast, I want to tell you that Locked on Hawks, along with our other Atlanta podcasts, are now available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's absolutely free. Download the Locked on Sports Atlanta app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And I'm joined, as I have been a few times recently, by my friend Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops. Zach, welcome back to the program. Appreciate you having me on again. Looking forward to a... Uh... Another position grouping here. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. We'll be talking about the small forwards on today's show. I've been covering stuff in person. Open practice was last night. That was uh, quite a scene, as you might imagine, Zach. And, uh, you know, little things going on. That, that The team's actually, as people are probably listening to this, the team's probably in the air or something close to it. They are leaving on Friday afternoon for Abu Dhabi for 10 days. So a lot happening with the Hawks, but on this show, we'll talk about the uh, what I would say is the four guys that I would describe as the primary small forwards. As I've been saying on every every one of these shows, a lot of these guys play different positions. I'm not trying to tell you that DeAndre Hunter is only a three or that Justin Holiday is only a three, etc. We're trying to sort of group these things a little bit out in uh, relatively even fashion. And we're going to start with an intriguing player, and that player is Hawks rookie AJ Griffin. We're recording this Thursday night. And AJ only did one-on-one work today at practice after missing the open stuff on Wednesday. I talked about this a little bit last night, but people are already panicking about Griffin's health status. I did include the audio and video from Nate McMillan on the show yesterday about Griffin's tweaked ankle. Let's just assume that he's relatively healthy, but I guess we'll start with this, Zach. Uh, Any concerns on your side about AJ Griffin's health because of Summer League? And I know Hawks fans are a little bit on sort of on, on edge now about this. I mean, it's obviously not what you want. I mean, obviously you would like to have seen him in Summer League and for him to be fine or whatever, not have any kind of designation, et cetera. So obviously I would say it's a little bit, I don't want to say like a red flag because that makes it seem like, you know, I'm saying it's something bad for sure, but it's something to monitor. Obviously the Hawks are monitoring it. So, I mean, I wouldn't, it's just going to be bold, but you know, I wouldn't want to go too far either direction at this point because we just don't really know a lot, but 
the fact that he's doing stuff and he's not just like standing around, I mean, at least you have to be somewhat encouraged by that. So, yeah, he's been participating, you know, McMillan said he's been doing the the drills and the workouts. He's not been going live for a couple of days now, but, and we'll see, you know, this is the kind of the, the challenge of covering this team this preseason is that they're going to be going out of the country for 10 days. And I don't think any local media are there. I don't think any Bucks media are even there. Like we're kind of have to go with what they share. Uh, that's a little bit of a challenge. So we'll see if he's available on, on the court in the games against Milwaukee, but big picture, I want to just kind of run down what he, you know, might get him this year. I've always said this. I'm, I think you've heard me say it a million times. Like, Rookies, generally speaking, I have very low expectations for for a team, especially like the Hawks. That's not that's clearly trying to win. Um, I think you'll see AJ at some point, and there are definite appeals. You know, the shooting is the number one calling card for Griffin at this point. He shot forty four percent from three in college. He had incredible synergy numbers. He was ninety first percentile on spot ups. He was ninety eighth percentile off screens in college. Like the shooting is what it is. Like everyone is intrigued by that, and I love the draft pick. It's a great value. But um, I guess the easiest way for me to say this is like, do you agree that I'm not expecting too much from him as a rookie? And that's not because of him necessarily, but it's kind of because of him. It's like, you know, he just turned 19 years old. It's a team trying to win. It's this coaching staff. It's kind of a repeat in some ways of Jalen Johnson a year ago. And I know, you know, Jalen probably should have played more than he did, but that's kind of where I am in terms of my headspace about this right now is that I kind of have my expectations pretty low and I'm trying to temper that for everybody else too. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair on the expectations. I would say though, Jalen had DeAndre, I mean, technically, as well as Collins and Gallinari pretty much blocking him. Yep. Griffin, I mean, he doesn't have those caliber. He doesn't have two $20 million players in front of him, if that makes sense. Like, if Hunter got hurt or something, I mean, they're almost already sitting around like, all right, do we try? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, I, I've said the same thing. Like, especially with I, – I, honestly, for me, it's it's almost more bogey. And since Bogey's already injured right now, as we're talking, well, I mean, yeah, I just mean like if, like you know, like if they didn't have a starting small forward, I mean, yeah, um, no, I, I think there's there's an obvious appeal with the shooting, especially like you know if they don't have Bogey for shooting, Griffin is the only other like knockdown right. shooter on this roster, and then like you said with Hunter, like you know, I think Justin Holiday would be obviously a little bit ahead of Griffin right now just from a playability standpoint, but the wing depth is not huge, so yeah, that's it's a good point by you, like his path to playing time is seemingly more clear than Jalen's was. Yeah. I mean, obviously Justin Holiday, I think would, I mean, I would bet all the money I have <laughs> that if Bogey and Hunter were neither one going to start a small forward, then it would be Justin Holiday first. Yeah. But it's not at a point where like it's John Collins or something, you know what I mean? Like they were not going to take John Collins out of the starting lineup for Jalen Johnson, no matter what happens. I don't think he could go that far with Justin Holiday and AJ Griffin. I mean, if AJ Griffin gets hot off the bench or something in that scenario where Hunter is out, I mean, I think it's a little, I mean, it probably wouldn't happen, but it's a little more easy to put him in just for the simple fact that you're not taking out, you know, one of your established like incumbent players. I mean, they got here at the same time for, or whatever, like Holiday and Griffin. Yeah, both, for sure. Both, both just got here. So. Yeah, and I guess like, you know, defensively is where I would always, especially with really most rookies, if not uh, the, the vast majority of rookies, like defensively is going to be where the coaching staff's going to have to trust these guys. And AJ's defense in college was not great necessarily. He's a little bit slow footed for a wing at this point. Um, I mean, what are you looking for? Let's assume he plays in the preseason at some point. Um, what are you looking for out of him? Like, in terms of, we all kind of know what his strengths are coming out of college, but knowing he's 19, like, what is there anything that you're like circling that you're looking for for AJ Griffin to be doing to try to like you know firm out his 
prospect status or I'm not sure what they're looking for other than just like hopefully they can trust him on defense. But it's really just the fact that they don't want to play guys they don't trust in defense. And that's kind of my hesitation more than anything. I think on offense, he would look fine. I mean, he's really talented. The shooting is what it is. But can he hold up on defense is probably what I'm looking for. But anything you're looking for in the next couple of weeks if you see him on the court? I mean, I wouldn't really like look for a ton in the preseason as far as like if his stats are good or if he plays a lot of minutes. But I guess like just I don't know if, if he's ever in a game that actually gets intense because that's the other thing. It's hard to like gauge. Say he goes out and he looks good on defense in the preseason. Can we really do anything with that? I mean, it'd be helpful, but your I mean, your point is taken. It's still it's still preseason games. It's, so. it's not like they're out there with the intensity, like running all this, you know, all five starters and all, you know, plays and stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, that's all, that's all you can ask for is that he doesn't look lost basically. I mean, you don't want, the only thing I don't want to see, there's things I don't want to see. I don't want to see like if he plays like him be like noticeably a rookie. Yeah. I mean, if, if he can blend in and stuff, and then obviously you want to see him knock down shots and like, you don't, you don't have to say that. Obviously you want to see him, you know, score and shoot well and stuff like that. But I don't think like, I don't know, though. I don't I just feel like it's probably I don't know. It doesn't feel encouraging that he's going to play at this point. To me. Yeah, no, I, it's so weird. I, don't, I don't know how to read it either. So. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's so hard to tell, like, without seeing practice. And I said this before, but like people have this thought that media can watch practice. That's not really the case. We see the very, very end of like standstill shooting. Like we don't know how much he's been able to do. We have to take Nate's word for it. I do think that, you know especially coming in now he's had the injury over the summer um, long history of injuries. And also they kind of know he's not going to play a lot early on, I would imagine, unless there are injuries. So I don't know. You may not see him a ton on the floor in the four preseason games. I think big, big picture. I'm really intrigued by AJ Griffin. I just think that as a rookie being as young as he is and playing as little as he has, and that's another thing. He missed time in high school. He didn't play a full season necessarily. He played a lot of Duke, not, not, a, not an overwhelming amount in one year. And I don't know. I just I don't want people to write him off either. It's kind of the thing. Like it's kind of the same thing as Jalen Johnson. I hope people keep that same um, optimism that they've kept about Jalen in the middle of him not playing. And I, I think that hopefully people are calling for Griffin to be playing more. I mean, that's sometimes people get a little bit a little bit too excited about that kind of stuff about rookies. But I think that the the hope is he flashes a little bit when he plays and makes shots, and they kind of need that along the way. And you're just hoping that you want to see more and more of him as you go because it's still early, but. We haven't seen him play. We have not seen him play basketball since no, since college. I, <laughs> Still at this point, and I guess that's why I like I'm not like I'm not expecting him to play in the preseason. I'm not not expecting to, but like you know what I mean. Like I have no clue because he, he just hasn't played yet. But if he does play, one thing I guess you could look forward to is uh, or hope to look forward to is especially in the second half of these games. You know, once the starters and stuff you know are, are not in or whatever in the first couple, if he was able to play. Uh, you would want to see, like, hopefully they would actually be drawing stuff up for him to get him shots. Because if you're not getting him shots, then, like, why why is he on the court? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be really yeah. frustrating if he's playing and, like, they're not getting him looks. If he's playing, you need to, like, have him in with the second unit. And, like, because with the second unit, the best play right now is, like, Bogey just going and looking for a shot. I mean, if, if Murray is also out, I guess. If they're staggering, that changes. But, like, if the full right. second five was in, I don't know how they create a shot right now. So yeah, it's that's one of the appeals of Griffin, and I, I'm generally agree with you. Like, if you're gonna play him, what would be good is to make his life easy, and that means 
you know, hiding a little bit on defense, not making him do too many things. And then on offense, you know, taking advantage of what he does well. I mean, what you don't want to have him do is just be out there and not doing anything. Like, yes, you could have a space at the corner, but using his skill set to kind of offset what he doesn't do well right now, probably as a 19 year old would be smart. I mean, we would have, have to go crazy long on Griffin. It's just, yeah, it's interesting to me, like, because he's obviously quite famous, but if you're asking me how much he plays, number one, it's tied to, to health of everybody, including himself. But like, if everybody's healthy, game one I, I don't think he's going to play in the opener and that's not that's not an indictment of aj griffin but if you made me choose and said okay everybody's healthy bogey murray holiday etc does aj griffin play in a closely contested season opener my my guess is no and that doesn't mean the end, that's not the end of the world either it's fine yeah no i, I would agree with that he probably wouldn't play but i do think you know in the long term obviously he's a first round pick jalen johnson was a first round pick there is some intrigue with the second unit offense having um, well, for now, the second unit, I guess, with O'Connell, we'll <laughs> yeah. see how long he's on the second unit. But Capella, and I'm not saying Capella's going to be benched, I just mean at some point, you know, obviously, everyone thinks O'Connell will be the Hawks starting center. But uh, Okongwu and Jalen with the roll and like the paint, and then you have Bogey, Griffin, etc., with the shooting, and then obviously, hopefully, Murray would be staggered and, and have the ball. So, I mean, you could have a pretty intriguing you know, young, fast, two-way-ish second unit that could, you know, carry you for some minutes. And then obviously, I don't know, Griffin is probably a better fit with those guys anyways than with like Trey, for example. So, yeah, we can kind of, we can kind of dream on, there's lots to like, sort of dream on in the future because of Griffin shooting and J1's playmaking and uh, some of the younger, I mean, obviously Trey is still very young, DeJounte is still young, et cetera, like a Kong Wu. They, they have a lot of intriguing talent. Um, so like we'll spend some more time in the future talking about Griffin's long-term, I mean, like, but yeah. Collins is going to be the old guy soon, which is like. He's kind of already there. I mean, <laughs> I mean Capella, other than Justin, yeah, Justin Holiday is the, is the actual old guy on this roster, but like Bogey and Capella are the old guys and they're really not even old. So it's still a very young team, all things considered. Um, all right, before we get to uh, other guys, including, uh, of course, Jarrett Culver and Justin Holiday, and, of course, DeAndre Hunter later on in the program, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is here in a big way. Bet Online is the number one source for all of the pro and college football needs that you might have this year and across the board in the sports information space. Find all the latest football developments, the matchups, the news, and the podcasts you're looking for at Bet Online, including all the content you need for the weekend slate in pro and college football. Bet Online is also the continued source for wagering information that includes live betting and esports and live scores. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to consume every sport you might be interested in. And of course, that includes the NBA and is headlined by the NBA on the show. And there are plenty of features out there as well in the NBA world that includes uh, season one totals. The Hawks season one total is a popular bet, I'm sure, for Hawks fans. They have conference odds and division odds, title odds, individual award odds, and more. And beyond the NBA, Bet Online has odds and lines on college sports and baseball. MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. Head to Bet Online right now on your mobile device or on your computer to learn more about all of the trends and the action across the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. Zach, let's go to Jarrett Culver real fast. Uh, Culver is the uh, least sexy name on this on this list, despite the fact that he was a former top six pick in the draft. He's still 23 years old. He has played a uh, limited time for the Grizzlies and the Wolves in recent years. He's not been great in the NBA at all, which is why a top six pick is available on a two-way contract. But he did have some nice flashes in open practice. People kind of noticed that. I thought he played pretty well. But 
you know, what does that mean? I'll let you choose what you want to have on yeah. sort of that adventure. But, you know, he's still a talented guy. I mean, it's, it's a good buy low. I like that move a lot. What was your reaction to, to kind of bring him in and also just kind of the insurance he can bring as, as another, like, you know, athletic two-way forward? All right, so I haven't I haven't tweeted this or put this out anywhere, but Uh-oh. I like I like I like it because I think it's like, well, first of all, they didn't just lose Cam because they got a pick for him, but now they also have like a different kind of like Cam who doesn't like want to be like a superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like if he could come in and just do everything they wanted Cam to do, I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna start and do everything that everybody wanted Cam to do. But he's like not. what the what the what the Hawks wanted Cam to do, like play defense, play your role. Hopefully he can improve, you know, his shot and stuff. I'm not saying he'll ever be, you know, what people thought he was gonna be or what Cam was gonna be, but it's kind of a fun wing like project from the same class. They kind of had to just give up on Cam because it didn't work out. So you kind of have like you kind of replace like the the depth if that makes sense. And it was there's no risk to it. So. I like Culver. I mean, I don't, I don't know to what extent he will actually help the Hawks, but I have no issue with it. And I don't know, like, I mean, it's probably one of the best things you could do with that roster spot. Yeah, it's a good shot on him. And look, I, I was too high on him coming into the draft, and that you kind of have to throw that out. I mean, on some level, the pedigree does matter. It's helpful that this guy was once considered to be a top five prospect in a draft class not that long ago. He's still twenty three years old. At the same time, he's been bad in the pros. That's notable. I think everyone would acknowledge that. Um, the shooting is very clearly the swing. Like he has not shot the ball well. Like it is, it's been like borderline broken in the NBA. Like free throw shooting wise, fifty percent from the line in his NBA career. Like that's not good. But he said the right things coming in. I don't want to make too much of this, but he's talked about himself as a defender first, and that's where he needs to be. I mean, to your point there about like the cam comparisons, etc. Like Culver knows. I'm sure he's been humbled. Like he's coming in on, on a two way contract, and like his best path to being reliable particularly with this coaching staff is to just come in and play defense and just do the little stuff. And, you know, he's still not going to be a high quality NBA player. If he's still shooting, like he shot the last couple of years, that's the big swing. I think everybody knows that, but I mean, as far as two ways can, are, are concerned, like they had Sean D Brown, who I like, you know, waving Sean D Brown to have the opportunity to sign Jared Culver makes all the sense in the world. I mean, that's, that's the prism of, they have to look at this at, like if they had given Jared Culver the minimum, I would have been totally fine with that. And they got him, and they got him on a two-way. That, that's even better. So, I mean, no downside. He's a pretty good passer for a wing. Like, he, he plays the game with some good feel. It's just that, you know, at the end of the day, he's got to have to make shots. And he's not done that, but the Hawks have had some pretty decent success of um, not fixing jump shots, but, like, you know, enhancing guys' jump shots. And if he can become, like, not even an average shooter, like, just become a below-average shooter. Like, just be someone you have to kind of pay attention to a little bit. That'd be enough for him to be an, an NBA player. Also, when you have Trey Young, you can like afford to steal like seven minutes from a guy who sucks at offense if he's worth it on defense. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I actually wonder—not necessarily a Culver only thing—but going back to Griffin earlier, we talked about like, let's assume, for example, that Bogey's not ready for the opener or something like that, or you get two injuries on the wing. Like, is Nate going to trust a rookie who's a lot more like offensively talented in Griffin, or is he going to go to Trent Forrest? Is he going to go to Jarrett Culver? Is he going to go to Aaron Holiday, all of whom are way better defensively and like have been around the block? And I think that, you know, knowing Nate, I'm not I'm not reporting this, but knowing Nate, it won't surprise me if he leans on the guys who are who are defenders. And Culver's the biggest. Like I even mentioned the other day, I don't know if you how you feel about this. 
Like what happens if they if they lose Jalen for a, for two weeks or lose John for two weeks? Like Culver's not a four. Don't get me wrong, but like he's all of six seven and like physically, like could he play some small ball four minutes if they had to? I think maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying he that's a primary role for him, but you can't have too many of those like six seven defensively capable wings. It's like just another guy to have to throw out there if they need to. Yeah, and no, I like it. I mean, and like you said, if he develops on offense, especially with shooting, then I mean, it could end up being one of those. Like, I don't know, like Raptors or someone type moves, you know, where they pick someone up and then all of a sudden that's like a rotation guy for them. No, I mean, the Hawks have not, the Hawks fans don't know what I'm talking about because they don't. They well, I was going to say, they, like, haven't picked, they haven't picked anyone up for free <laughs> and then had them turn into, you know, everybody they get is a big trade or. It's been a while move, you know? for sure. I mean, like, even second round picks, like Culver's not a second round pick, but he's kind of in the role of a second round pick. Like, he's the same age as Tyrese Martin. Who is if, you, a if you go through the whole rotation of the Hawks, every single player is like a lottery pick or traded or made like a free agent signing. Yeah, they they have. I mean, since it's been a half decade since they really like found like a like a legitimate free agent signing, a guy on the so, margins. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. I've said this about this came up about around the draft about second round picks and how the Hawks have not really hit on any of the second round picks. But even beyond that, like you're right, like minimum signings or whatever it's going to be. Culver is a little bit different because he was a prominent prospect, but they got him for. Basically but for them, for them, he's like, you know, he's just one of those margin guys. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. it and it might take a couple. I mean, I'm, again, he's been pretty bad in the NBA. I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat it. But the skill package is still there to the point where he was a lottery pick for a reason. And if I do think that if he became a 34% three-point shooter, he's an NBA player. Like right now, when he, the way he shot the ball the last couple of years, he's like not even an NBA player. Like if he's a fringy NBA guy. But if he's a, if he becomes a passable shooter, he's a rotation player, I think. Not for this year, probably. Like he's still on a two-way yeah. contract. But you know, having more depth there, you can't have too many bets on those wing types. And that's what I, that's what I liked about it. Because like, you know, going back to like the you remember this like the Antonius Cleveland days when they were just like signing any six-seven guy who might have one skill. Like they kind of went away from that the last couple of years. And this year, they definitely lean more defense than offense on all of the marginal signings, Trent Forrest, etc. But like Culver's the best of both worlds there. He, he he can defend, and he's got enough skills where it's like not impossible that he becomes a pretty decent offensive player at some point. We'll see. Yeah, no, I like it, and I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you know the worst case. I don't know. You just either trade him or move well, on. Well, there from him. there is no worst I mean, case. You just cut him. He's he's on a two way. Yeah. I mean, even two ways are so easy to move on from that. Like if he was just terrible and they did and they just said all right let's just let's just rip this up in january it doesn't bother anybody you just you yeah. cut him and sign somebody else it's that's that's the guess the beauty of this is that there you know there are no there are low risk moves and there are zero risk moves this is a zero risk move like there's no downside at all i guess maybe unless nate just like plays him when he's terrible that's the only that's the only downside but i can't imagine that's actually <laughs> yeah. gonna happen so yeah uh, i liked it so I always wanted to cover him and people got excited. Uh, there's a couple of like those Jarrett Culver uh, goat meme Twitter accounts that found me last night. Um, when I, yeah. when I was talking about, talking about Culver, uh, he, he did play well in the open practice, but it's, it's a practice where people were not trying very hard. So I'm not worried too much about that. Yeah. I mean, he's a pro basketball player. So the fact he looked good in a practice setting, I don't know. Yeah. He was attacking and uh, playing aggressively, but anyway, all right, we'll, we'll move on from there to uh, a player that's very boring, but in a good way. And uh, that's Justin holiday. Uh, Justin Holiday is already talking about being a leader on this team. He's the oldest player on the team. He's 33 years old. He's been around before. You know, longtime Hawks fans might remember he was around the first time uh, I covered him the first time around. Uh, he's he's played for eight teams. Um, he's kind of 
for me, I don't know if you feel the same way. He's like almost the prime example of a very solid rotation wing in the least spectacular way imaginable. He's just like a pro wing. That's not going to blow anybody away. Hawks fans won't like fall in love with Justin holiday, but like he's reliable. He guards, he'll shoot and make enough. He'll, he'll make enough threes. He doesn't do too much on offense. Like he's just kind of a plug and play rotation wing. And that it's not sexy, but like every team could use Justin holiday. Like the Lakers would love to have Justin holiday. You know what I mean? Like that kind of guy. Yeah. He's in between DeLon Wright and Solomon Hill. Yeah, he's like honestly, he's like the he's like the actual wing version of Delon Wright. I'm not saying I love yeah. him as much as Delon Wright. I love I, Delon's, Delon's better, you know. I'm just Delon's saying. a better player, I think too. Yeah. But like, you know, truly, you know, Holiday's making like six million this year. I think, I think Delon's just like quicker and faster, and it's like you know, Holiday's a little, you know. Yeah, he's not, he's not and listen, spry. he's he's 33 and he's pretty skinny, but he'll execute defensively. He's a willing shooter. Like he's not someone who doesn't get like the Solomon Hill comp. Like Holiday is a pretty good shooter, and he actually oh, yeah. will fire he's, away. He's better. He's better than Solo. Yeah, I, 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 I know you know that. I just want people to know that I haven't seen him play. It's not he's not a non-shooter like that. He's like if TLC was good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like TLC is not good, but Justin Holiday is good. Like he's Solo and, is also a bad comp because Solo was like a power forward on defense and Holiday. Right. I mean, it's the he's it's like more of the early version of Solomon Hill. Like you know, it's. Honestly, the be- the best recent comparison is probably Tony Snell, but Holiday is better than Tony Snell, like notably better. Yeah. So, yeah. all I-, I say all that, like if he's your starting small forward, you don't love that. But on this team, where he is very obviously the fourth wing, like he's a fantastic fourth wing. That's that's that- that's that's the way I would describe Justin Holiday in kind of a one very bland sentence. Is like unspectacular, but if he's your fourth wing, you're in great shape. Yeah, no, I mean actually, it doesn't like look like they have depth, I guess, on the wing because Bogey's already, you know, whatever. Griffin hasn't played yet. And then you and know, Murray's like kind of a wing and kind of not. Like it's like yeah. if you if you count Murray as a wing, Holiday's your fourth wing. But if Murray is also back at point guard, which is what he is, like then he, then he's your third wing. So it's a little yeah, they don't have a ton of depth just because of the well, and, thing. You know, and Hunter, I mean he's healthy now. But well right. You I have mean, your your two your two best pure wings. Take take Murray off the table. Bogey is currently hurt and has been hurt multiple times the last two years. And Hunter has never played a full season. So, yeah, I mean, I'll give him the 63 out of 67 though, or whatever that was. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I, I guess I'm thinking about, um, I'm looking at it now. Um, Wasn't it? Didn't he play 63 games the COVID season? Something I think like that, that might be right. So you, yeah, you might have me there. I might've just said the wrong thing. Um, yeah. He did, he actually did play a lot as a, as a rookie. That's I'm, I'm wrong about that, but the last two, uh, sorry, I was, I was going back to college college. He had, yeah, the, no, I mean, he's the, yeah, the broken, the the broken wrist, etc. Yeah. Anyway, Hunter has not been super durable. Is the best way to put that. You were right yeah. about this though. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously we'll come back to him. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, the only thing I'm thinking I, all, I, I wanted to say about Justin holiday is like, he is a very low usage player. Like the last four years, his usage rate on average is 14.8%. Uh, so basically he doesn't do much of anything other than take open kick out jump shots, which he's is what perfect, he should be doing. He's the perfect guy to play with a Trey slash Luca slash LeBron, like you said, because yep. there's certain people that are not wired to play with guys like that have the ball so much, but holiday is perfect. So he also I mean, doesn't care. Like that's that's the great thing about a guy. Like he even said something. That, I think it was last night or two nights ago. 
about just kind of like seeing everything already. Like this is a guy who's 33 and does not have any illusions about what he is and what he isn't. Like he was telling, he was talking about to the media about talking to the young guys and just like knowing what your role is essentially. And like everybody, when they come in the league has visions of them being a star or whatever. And like, he's 33, he knows exactly what he is and he's going to do what he's told and what he should be doing. And he's not going to be running pick and roll and like trying to create like he's a, and there's, there's downside to that too. Like he can't really do much of that, but if you're in, as long as you're playing with Trey, like you said, or playing him with Murray, he's in a good spot. Um, one of the challenges that we sort of talked around is that, you know, if they don't have Trey or Murray in one game or something like that, that second unit offense you talked about earlier, Holly isn't going to help that. Like he's not going to like yeah. boost you as a ball handler, but as long as he's out there with somebody that can create shots, he can really help you on both ends. Yeah, that is – if Trey or Murray's out, I don't know, that's – well, yeah, I mean, there, that's a whole other conversation. But like that second unit becomes like you better have Bogey. If you're if you're missing Bogey and one of Trey or Murray, you're in deep peril. Like then it becomes Jalen Johnson and I, I'm, as like mm-hmm. almost the primary initiator. And Aaron Holiday can dribble. I'm not saying yeah. he can't, but he's not a creator for a point guard. So you think I feel like Aaron Holiday would still get the ball before Jalen right now? I think he probably would too. But uh, I think at least I was. I don't, I don't want to overstate this. I was at least mildly encouraged at the open practice, they kind of had Jalen handling the ball a pretty good amount on that second team. And, but it was they, also, they should, I mean, they should. I, I agree. And I, again, I, it's still a practice and it's not a big deal, but that was a team that didn't have Aaron, Aaron holiday on it. It was like, yeah, my options are Tyson Etienne or Jalen Johnson. And they were kind of like, kind of letting Jalen cook a little bit. I wonder if it was a, a pro point guard, like Aaron holiday has been around the block if he would still do it, but you're right. I mean, to bring back to holiday, like, he's going to give you what he's going to give you not more, not less. So like, there's a lot of value in that, but don't think he's going to be able to like run your offense. He's not going to do that. I think if I just got one tangent to that, cause I just, I, I have a thought in my mind. I think if, if bogey is out and if one or Trey or Murray is out, then your first sub is Collins and then you got to bring him back with the second. Oh yeah. I do think that you would want to have more Collins. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm a, saying? Like you Take take out Collins, just let Murray and Capella or Trey and Capella run the f- offense and then bring Collins back. Well, yeah, and you know, that's not Collins' absolute best role, as we talked about. That's one of his limitations, relatively speaking. Well, yeah, but you rather have him do greater. you rather have him posting up than Capella, though. That's what I was gonna say. Like he is still a, a better, like, you know, one-on-one ISO mismatch hunter than a lot of the guys on the roster. So well, and he finishes everything. So just right. having him out there to rebound and like having him kind of as like where he's the one bullying people for rebounds instead of Capella, like he gets those putbacks and makes all of them. So and he has a lot of pick and roll gravity too. Like if, I think if you had to run an Aaron Holiday, John Collins pick and roll, there'd be enough gravity with Collins. Like Holiday can run that pick and roll and be fine. So that, yeah, that's no, another I mean, thing about that too. It's like one of the best role men. So yep, absolutely. Anyway. All right, let's uh, let us close the book on Justin Holiday, and we'll get to the main event of this podcast, DeAndre Hunter. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, Zach, let's dive into DeAndre Hunter. Uh, we talked about him a lot this summer. So if you're getting back to the podcast for the first time, welcome back. I might repeat myself a little bit if you're a recurring listener. But he's 24 years old. It's a big year for Hunter. Everybody knows that. But I really, really want to emphasize it is a big year for DeAndre Hunter, both contractually and for the team. Because we talked about it earlier. He's he's it. Like they, He's the starting three. There's no debate about that. Like um, Every time I go on and – a podcast that's not about the Hawks, like a national podcast or something like that. People ask me what the X factor is of the, of the team. I kind of always say DeAndre Hunter. Like, I think he is 
a huge swing for this team, both health-wise and performance-wise. So I guess I'll stop there. Are you optimistic? Like, how are you feeling about DeAndre? Like, we all know the caveats, like health, et cetera, but are you feeling optimistic about DeAndre right now, knowing that he's healthy? He had a full offseason, which is definitely helpful. He's been talking about it in pretty positive terms, and uh, that's something he didn't have last year, which is a good start. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the contract thing, like, is really interesting if they're going to sign him before he has to play or not. But October 17th is the deadline, three weeks away. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he should be fine and have a good year, especially since he's having a healthy camp. I mean, he's had his struggles in the league, but I, I think all around, he, he actually had a good quote about it where he talked about how he has had to guard, you know, a lot of the better players. And that does make your stats look worse on offense, whether people want to, you know, acknowledge that or not. I mean, just being tired or, you know, being physically taxed and then, you know, you're not getting up as many shots, whatever, you know, you're missing the ones you get up. You're t- I don't know. And then he plays with Trey. He plays with Collins. He play- I mean, you know, just because he was a, a high pick and they traded all this for him. I mean, no one on the Hawks is getting out of the way to give him shots. So I don't really buy into all the like, that he's a bust and all that. I mean, sure, he's not, like, what you traded too much to get, you know, if you're just going to have him as a role player and all that. But it's kind of just what happens when Trey Young, I mean, he dominates offensively. So you can't really sit around and cater to other people. I mean, it's the same thing where people, every year, it's either Collins or media or whatever happens, you know, Collins is unhappy or it's reported that he's unhappy. People's stats just kind of suffer when you play next to someone who is either, you know, the best offensive player in the league or in the conversation. So I think Connor, as long as he's healthy, I really, I don't really worry about him in the sense of like, I think he'll be fine and he'll be a good starting small forward. I think people have all these like individual things that they want, like that they want him to make like all defense or some shit or be an all-star and like, it just doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, I think, no. he'll, help, I think he'll help the team and stuff and like, he was number four pick, so he has all these, like, you know, expectations and stuff. But if he has a good season, I mean, he's probably, like, I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, he's an 18 $20 million player, and I don't – I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that if, he oh, able, if, if he's he able a, to pull. If he has a good year, he's going to get more than that, and, he, and he'll probably yeah. deserve more than that. So, like, no, I'm with you. I, I think that it does still matter on the margins that he was a top-five pick because of the contract stuff, and, like, that's always a part yeah. of the conversation. But – to your point, like any talk about him being a bust is silly. Like even as someone who's pointed out that he struggled last year, like he did. Well, he I, don't, I don't mean to be – it matters if he's like, healthy and good and all that. I just mean it no. doesn't matter what his stats are because he no, plays – No, I'm with, with you that. 100%. He, he, plays, he plays with Trey, Collins, Capone. I mean, there's all these people. I mean, it's not, yeah, like it's, he plays for, it's not like he plays for the Magic and gets 20 shots a game and can't score. I and mean, that was never his – I mean, I know there was the whole like – some there were some fans that were talking about baby Kawhi and things, but like they never thought he was going to be that. Like no – even the Hawks – who traded a lot to get him weren't banking on him, him being a 25 point score. Like that was, that's never going to be his game. Like he has the ability to score. Like he's not a pure three and D guy. Like he's got some offensive juice. He's averaged 15 points a game in the league last year, like 13 points. Sorry. That was two years ago. This, this year, uh, last year, 13 points a game. Like that's not Justin holiday. Like, he has, he has a lot more juice than someone like holiday, just a plug and play three and D guy. But you know, it comes down to doing the stuff that they need him. Like they need, they need him to be out there and be healthy and defend and make ju- and make jumpers and for me it's like you got to rebound more for one thing like he was a like yeah. a legendarily bad rebounder last year like just go out i'm not saying you got to be 
a great rebounder, but like go rebound some more. Yeah, like the rebounding is fair for sure, but he's yeah, a good I mean, shooter. He's a good shooter yeah. and he's a good defender. So if he's healthy, he if he's healthy and I, I don't know, I mean, the no, rebounding I, is definitely fair, but he's also like guarding Kyrie Irving and shit. I mean, it's, I no, know, you're right. You and know. that it, there are, there are reasons why, you know, you could point to, to say, look, he may not be a great rebounder, but like at the same time, he had like, comical Trey Young rebounding numbers last year. Yeah, like that no, he definitely just got there's a there's it. there's a middle ground there. And that's what I'm saying about last year. But you know, I think we're on the same page. I, I think that there are things that he can work on, like ball handling, something he's talked about a lot already in this season. That was a noticeable problem last year. Um coming off the wrist stuff. And I think that was maybe part of the problem that's been a focus. I think that he should be better in that area. Um his passing's got to get better and they know that. Um but look like I think that he can still give him a little bit of juice, juice as an offensive creator while maybe taking a little bit better, better of a show of a shot profile. He probably takes a few too many long twos um, doesn't finish around the rim as much as he probably should. But at the end of the day, like he is so important to them. And you know, it's not like breaking news to say that he's got to stay healthy, but he's, he's got to stay healthy, man. Like they, they need him so bad. And, and that's not, I'm not, I've never been the injury prone guy with the Hunter. Like he missed a bunch of time two years ago, but He's, you know, he's not injury prone yet. It's just that yeah. this is such a big season for him. And it's not all because of him. Like they've built this roster to a point where like, if he's not around, they have a problem. Like they have guys that can play. You know, we talked about Justin Holiday earlier. He can do some of the stuff that, De- that DeAndre Hunter does, but you know, no, there's no battle going on here. Like DeAndre Hunter is very clearly one of the pivot guys on this roster. I don't want to overstate it either, but and he's not as good as DeAndre, I mean, sorry, as DeJounte or Trey or John Collins. Like he's not, you know, for me, he's their fifth best player. Maybe, maybe six, I mean, last year he was their sixth best player, if you include Bogey. But yeah. they need him to be a pretty good, at minimum, they need him to be a pretty good starting, pretty good starting small forward. And by the way, pretty good starting small forwards who are 6'8 and play defense make $20 million a year. That's just, that's just what they make. And that's what, that's what he should make. I mean, if he has a good year, and by our standards, a good year is like healthy, defend, make enough shots. Like that's all he has to do. No one's asking for well, maybe not no one. Rational people are not asking for him to be a star this year. He doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to be a star. It'd be nice if he was a star, but he's probably not gonna be a star. It's just like just be good. Like be be like a half a level behind Mikhail Bridges, like in that in that same similar kind of role. You know what I mean? So what what number should he take? What is to avoid the risk of on an extension, I, mean, I guess, I guess how much risk really is there? Or... Well, yeah, that's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, he's actually made a bunch of money and that's part of the deal here. Like as a guy who was a former top five pick, he's going to be hitting the market having already made like 30 million in salary in his career, 25, 30 million in salary, which that's part of this too. Like guys who have been on top five, top 10 contracts, they bank so much money early on that the desperation level and the security level that they need to like lock in life-changing money is not quite the same. You know what I mean? So that's, that's part of this. And I think also to your point that you just asked, like, what's the risk? I mean, even if he has a bad year, he's still going to get what? 10 million a year, 12 million a year. If he had a bad season, barring like a, barring like a really bad injury or something like that, knock on wood, nobody wants that. If he's just like the guy he was, even the guy he was last year, when again, I thought he was pretty shaky most of the season. If he just does that exact same thing again, he's going to get four years and 50 million or something like that. Like that's not, and that would be disappointing, 
that's a lot of money, man. Like that's the thing about it where I've always said, if I had to guess it wouldn't get done. And it's because his side, they know that there isn't too much risk to waiting and the Hawks knowing that they can match any deal there isn't too much reason to pay him a lot of money right now. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to find that like sweet spot because of the fact that his floor is so high. Even if he gets hurt in a small fashion or something like that, or struggles, like he's still a six, eight, two way wing and they paid him so much money. And his agency knows that like the Hawks are so invested in him. They're like, are they going to let him go? I don't think so. No. And if you're him, you're saying, I mean, not necessarily like he's saying this word for word or anything like that, but Looking at it, like, I think if Herter got 65, then if, if I was representing Hunter, I would think the floor would be like 80 in my head. Oh, I mean, I, I'm not going to throw out numbers necessarily because I don't have it confirmed. But, you know, Jake Fisher, who I know well, reported that they were like 20 or $30 million apart. And if I had to guess, I think Hunter's probably at – their team's probably asking for more than 80. I think they're yeah, probably I mean, asking for like 88, 90, something like that. Yeah. And the Hawks are probably in the 70 range. And that, you know, and that's kind of where it should be. In my mind, that's probably where it should be. If I'm the Hawks, there's no way I'm giving him more than 17 million probably a year. And even that's a lot um, for what he's done so far. But if you're Hunter, you're not taking that deal. I'm not. No, I'm not. I wouldn't take less than 20. That's what I mean. It's like, if it, it's easier. It's, I try 20, 20 a year. I try not to do this in my own mind because, like, I'm pretty risk averse. Like, if it was me, like you just take the money. Like at some point, what does it matter? Well, but if you're, you if know you're the other, hunter, that's not how it works. Though, well, that's what I'm not, saying. Like if you're the other you, hunter and, so. and you've already, and you've already, right, exactly. Yeah. And you've already made $30 million in your career. Like, you know, if you're, and, and if your agent's good, like your agent should tell you, and I, you know, Deandre, from what I understand, he's not, he's not on the phone. It's his agents doing all this stuff. Like I'm sure he's got some say in the matter, but the agents do all the negotiating, you know, I'd be I mean, asking for the moon. Just, He's number four overall pick. They traded a boatload to get him, and they just paid their number 19 overall pick from a couple years before, four years, $65 million. Yeah, and, I mean, and the counter would be, at least my counter would be, that Herter has been better than Hunter in his career so far. But, well, but That's not what his agent thinks. No, I know. If, if, so, but if, I, if I'm the team, that's yeah, my response. No, so that's the back yeah. and forth. It's like, well, you know, one guy had proven a little bit more. And yeah, Hunter's upside is a lot higher than Herter's upside. So yeah. it's like that's the – and again, this is why I've been saying repeatedly, if I had to guess it doesn't get done, it's, it's not because the Hawks don't want to keep Hunter. Like the whole reason that they wouldn't do it is that they still have match rights. If it was like a different world altogether and it was like, we can either sign him now or lose him in a year, they would sign him. Like they, they just would. It's just that they know that if Hunter has a breakout this year and deserves you know, a near max money, they'll happily pay it. Because that means he's, that, that means he just had a breakout and he's and he's worth that much money. So it's like, and also I don't think that Hunter's a guy who's going to like have a bunch of ill will either. Like he's a pretty chill guy. He's going to come in and play hard. It's not a situation where you're like you're worried about like angering him and he shuts down on you. Like he's going to play hard. I don't worry about that at all either. No, I mean he's going to be trying to play for a contract if he doesn't have one. Exactly. So, so no, I, I think that I mean I don't know about I don't know about you. My my guess has always been he doesn't he doesn't sign a deal, but like, it also wouldn't stun me if he did. Like if the Hawks get, I think it was, I think it'll stun me if it's less than, if it's less than like 76 million and he signs it, that would stun me. Yeah. I was going to say 80, but yeah. Yeah. I almost uh, say 80. I was thinking, yeah. I mean, if, if it was four seventy six with a player option, I wouldn't be too shocked by that. I don't think, but I, I think if it gets done, it's like four eighty four or something. And I wouldn't do that as the Hawks. 
not that's not even a negative thing. Like, and Hunter could easily outplay that contract easily, but, but with what okay, he has so not proven, ask, I wouldn't do. So that. you would do four seventy six though, but you wouldn't do four. I would consider four seventy six. I wouldn't even consider forty four if I'm the Hawks okay. now. You know what I mean? I, I think I would say if you would do four seventy six, you might as well just do four. Well, that's yeah, that's it's like so, two million dollars a year, right? And with where the cap's going, there's a good chance that the Hawks get a great deal on the under hunter. There's a good chance of that because of where the cap's going, because of like in a couple of years, starter money is going to be twenty seven million dollars a year. Well, then that's I mean I didn't I didn't you know paid attention to all. you I know what I mean cap, though like I knew the cap was going up I hadn't thought about it in the context if, of if the, if the if the new TV deal comes in where they think it might come in and the cap it's not going to like double but it's going to be like a sixty percent hike in the cap over like a five six year period like that's a lot of money and if you get DeAndre Hunter locked in for sub starter money that that becomes an absolute home run so it's a very nuanced discussion like you you want to keep the guy happy you want him to be locked up long term but again if you're the hawks and the worst case scenario to not signing him now is that he has a good year and you have to pay him more next summer like that that's fine like you don't need to worry about yeah. that that's why i wouldn't do it it's not it's not because, it's not because I, don't, I don't want hunter i think hunter is going to be on the team beyond this year i'm com- i'm i'm not saying it's a hundred percent lock but i am if you maybe i'm very confident hunter is on the team next season but I'm way less confident that he signs an extension. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I agree with you because if the Hawks have the ability to not lose him. And they do. They, but here's the thing. Obviously, you know, this, they don't have the ability to go get another six, eight wing that can do everything he can do. And that is why Hunter's agent, if he's doing his job is asking for the moon right now, because he knows they have no way to replace him. They have well, no and, way. And to like you him. just said, like everything, I don't know if you, you were obviously probably doing this on purpose, but. Everything you just said about the cap spike, I mean, obviously the agents all know all that shit. Of course. So that's yeah. why that's probably why the discrepancy is so big because they're like, no, you know, you know, if he signed a two year deal for whatever, then he could sign again and make he might want to opt out after like I don't know how many times he can get it. But I got a mailbag question uh, the other night. What I, I just I just mentioned because somebody asked me about Hunter's extension, and I, I mentioned that his cap hold is like twenty nine and a half million dollars, and someone was like, "Is that actually his cap hold?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's." When you're a top five pick, your cap hold is enormous. So like even that, like there's no that's one of the reasons why some like, especially if you have a late first round guy, if you're the team side, part of the appeal is like you could keep that guy's low cap hold, use cap space and sign the guy. That's been that's one of those creative things people that teams do. Number one, the Hawks are way over the cap. So don't worry about that. But number two, like even if they were gonna do that, Hunter's cap cap hold is enormous because he's a everything comes back to that's why that's why I say in part that it does matter that he was a former top five pick. Like in practice, it shouldn't matter. Like once you're in the league for four years, who cares where you were drafted? But those priors, if you're the agent, you're pointing to other, other top five picks, you're pointing to guys who were at the same position. And, you know, if DeAndre Hunter was the 35th pick versus the fourth pick, it is a different discussion. I promise you it is. I'm not saying it should be, but it is. It's different. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, Obviously, with the contract and everything, and like just no matter what he does, I mean, he's always not. He's not going to be able to shake the fact that he was the number four pick. Not not him, like individually, but just the way fans view him and stuff. Like, well, yeah, there's there's two sides to that because you're right. Like around the league, guys who are top picks get more chances because yeah. they because they're talented enough to be top picks. You know what I mean? But to your point, fans. Anytime, you, and that's why I try to push. Even when Hunter was drafted, 
I would try to push back. Like, don't expect him to be a star. Do not expect him to be a star because, you know, as soon as a fan sees a top half of the lottery pick, they assume this guy's going to be a star. And it's like, that's not what he was drafted for. I, I mean, I'm sure they'd love it if he became one, but they weren't like picking him and announcing to the world that he was going to be the next Jalen Brown. Like, that wasn't a thing that they were going to be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it was Jalen I mean, Brown. Obviously, you hope he's better than Marvin Williams, but, you know. And listen, I've done this. I've done this a number of times. Uh, I think Marvin Williams gets a lot of uh, unfair. Criticism. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Since he's a Hawks player, and since Marvin Williams is a Hawks player, that that's is perhaps, people, that's perhaps the most interesting comp of all in terms of the Hawks that's, stuff. Because, that's that's where people are going to go with this if it doesn't go a certain way. Well, especially because of the guy who was drafted who was drafted behind him. He's not Chris Paul, but Darius Garland is uh, really good. So. Um, and obviously the Hawks were never going to take Garland. It's but. a little bit different this time. It's very, it's very different because the Hawks were never, the Hawks were never, ever, ever, ever taking Darius Garland. And I've always said that a hundred times. They were never taking him. Nor should they have. They have traded. The reason Ross. they get away with it is because like they traded all that for him, and like there's nothing like Jackson Hayes, whatever, like nothing that from the deal has really, which is burned, stupid too because it's not them. the way it works. But I, I'm with you. But it. That's what I was going to say. It's it's really lucky for them that it's been in that way because if they wouldn't have traded all this for Hunter, they might have hit on two of those guys. I mean, you know, you just don't know. So, like, they really still should be, like, optimistic with Hunter as long as it's, like, rational. You know what I mean? You can't be unrealistic. But Yeah, as it, long it, is, as it is very helpful that the only the only guy that they, quote-unquote, missed, like, the only, like, awesome player in that whole range is Garland, who they were never going to take. And people, yes. people, 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 I think people actually know that deep down. They were never going to take Garland anyway. So, like, if there had been some, like, if Kobe White or Jarrett Culver even became a star in the last three years, the Hawks would get a lot more heat about that. But they, because, because there was nobody in that range that became a star. Like, Cam Johnson's a good player. Tyler Hero's a pretty good player. But, like, none of those guys in that, like, in that six to 15 yeah. range are stars. Any, anyone who says Cam Johnson, um, I don't know. DeAndre Hunter's going to make a lot more money than Cam Johnson. That's all I know. He's also uh, for all the talk about how old, how old Hunter was as a prospect. Cam Johnson was like three is like three years older than DeAndre Hunter. So. Well, yeah, and he's already like a power forward. <laughs> like you know, he's like oh, a, he's he's starting at Fort Phoenix. Anyway, we're off yeah. the rails. But um, <laughs> as far Johnson. as as far as the season is concerned, uh, <laughs> I'm intrigued. I, I know people <laughs> have kind of assumed that I was like hating on Hunter or whatever it is during the offseason, and it's not. I I think it's my responsibility to point out he wasn't very good last year. But like I've always liked Hunter. I still I still believe in it. I think it's really good that he had a full season, full offseason to get healthy and get his ball handling back and be confident end of the season. And like I think it'll be good. And it's a huge year for him. I mean, both not even the contract. Contract definitely is a huge part, but even just just basketball wise, him and the team remove the contract. He is so important to them. Like he, it's really I don't want to go crazy about it because obviously Trey is more important, John is more important, et cetera. But like their ceiling, especially, is heavily tied to DeAndre Hunter, I think. Because if yeah, he's, he's not around he, and good, like they're not gonna be that good. He's at the very least the fourth most important. He's more important than Collins. I don't know if he's more important than Capella, but yeah, well, no, I actually think that probably is because they have in terms Collins. of I was gonna say yeah. in terms of like yeah. actual importance, number three is either Collins or Hunter. And it would be it would be Hunter if they if they still had Gallo, but because they don't have Gallo, I think Collins is actually sneaky, very, very, very. I guess I was just I guess I was just being a little like modern day biased that. You no, know, you're right though. You and, and, the centers, your, and the you centers, and the centers without your power forward before you could get away without your top wing. I feel like. that's probably true. There, there's just not a lot proven behind him, but Jalen's so talented, and the centers like yeah, I think Capella is 
notably better than DeAndre Hunter right now, but they have a Kongwu. Like the the importance factor there is would lean to Hunter because they have a Kongwu on the roster. So uh, yeah. and they have no 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 way to replace what they're hoping for from Hunter. So anyway, I'm optimistic. I think you are too from the from the sound of it. Is that would that be accurate to uh, to say? Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, he's healthy. So until you know that, hopefully that doesn't change. So I mean, he's always been. I mean, he's always worked really hard, and, and I thought been good. Even he has struggles, obviously sometimes, and rebounding is a big issue. But our, he's a team player, you know. I think he's always his head's in the right place, at least. Like he's not like drifting off and you know going outside of the team as far as like on either end of the court. So I think, I mean, there's no reason to be like negative about him going into the season, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that it's going to be a big year for him. He's a he's a good guy by all accounts. Like I've always enjoyed DeAndre. He just puts his head down and plays hard, and you can nitpick him, and that's part of the job of what we do every day. Covering covering a team every day, you're gonna you're gonna kind of pick guys apart on some level. But like he's a very, he's he projects to be a very valuable player this year as a six eight two way forward, and every team in the league wants six eight two way forwards who play hard. So. Anyway, uh, that's enough small forward talk for one day, Zach. I appreciate all of your time. Um, I know Peachtree Hoops is going to be ramping up, and they already are. So what's going on over there? What do you want to plug uh, on this fine Thursday evening into Friday? Yeah, our season preview series for the uh, the roster, you know, probably getting close to halfway through that. We'll have all that kind of rolled out before uh, hopefully – maybe not all before the very first preseason game, but, you know, right there around the beginning of the preseason, we'll have all those done with it and then – but then we'll be back preseason. So peace troops, peace And then uh, my Twitter is at Zhood underscore. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. And I did want to say, uh, you know, I have thoughts with everyone in Fort Myers and Cape Coral. I have some people down there. So, Oh yeah, definitely. We should definitely say that. I have, I know people down there and I, I, uh, my day job is with an organization that does disaster work. So uh, I'm uniquely tuned into what's going on on there. Definitely thoughts and prayers to anybody in Florida who is affected. And it's probably going to hit, uh, it looks like it's going to hit the Carolinas too, which is unfortunate in South Georgia. So uh, yeah, buckle down. Hopefully everybody's staying strong and it doesn't hit too bad. Well, well, I know it's, I know it's bad in Florida. We've already seen that. So thoughts and prayers to everybody down there. Uh, Zach, thank you for joining me as always on the show. I will probably beg you to come back and do another one or two of these in the near future, but, uh, check out Zach's work at Peace Tree Hoops and follow him on Twitter for the occasion, the occasional time that he tweets something every once in a while. Right, Zach. Um, as for, uh, the show, please subscribe, follow the show on Twitter at lots on Hawks. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. We'll see you all next time.